Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for coming. I am really excited about this panel, and I think you guys are in for a real treat. We've compiled a, a really amazing group of experts here, and the topic we're going to talk about today is about how artists can engage their fan base in activism and philanthropy, and what we all who you know work in the business can do to you know help um, promote um, to, to make the world a better place, basically. So before we get started, it would be great to um, have a show of hands for you know who our audience is. So how many of you are artists or artist managers in the in the room? Okay, good, a bunch. And what about um, tech companies? How many of you work with tech companies? And what about labels? Labels? Who have I missed? Press. Okay, excellent. We love press. You guys help spread the word. So I'm just going to do some brief introductions about who we've got here on the panel, and then we're going to get down to the, to the heart of the matter. Um, you'll see uh, Aaron Potts from Air Traffic Control um, has shared some slides with us with some great statistics that you'll see looping you know, behind us over here on the screen um, just about you know, how important uh, music is in affecting social change and, and how you know, lucky we, we all are to you know, work in this field where we can have some really amazing tools at our disposal. So to my left um, is DJ Skeet. DJ is um, uh, you know, redefining the role of a 21st century entertainment mogul. He's got, a, you know, he's a DJ who spins at some of the biggest events from the Super Bowl to the largest clubs in Vegas. Um, he produces and remixes for some of the biggest artists, Snoop Dogg, Michael Jackson. He's got a success, two successful radio shows on Kiss FM and as well as Sirius. Um, he's got a show, a television show on um, Access TV. And um, he works with me. I, my company is a company called Backplane, um, and we it was founded by Lady Gaga, and we've built a platform for creating you know, private social networks that unite people around a topic or cause where they can have very deep conversations. And uh, Ski is one of our partners as well. Um, to the left of Ski is, or to my left, I guess you're right, <laughs> is Francis Simpson Allen. Um, Francis is the um, head of innovation and technology for the United Nations My World campaign. Um, it's a UN-led multi-sector campaign gathering data on people's priorities for the next development agenda. Um, basically asking the question, what would you do if you could change six things about the world? What would you change? And how can you make the world a better place? Um, Ski, we're actually really pleased to announce right now that Ski has just signed on to be an ambassador to the UN and has been involved in you know, working with the My World Foundation. We had breakfast this morning with um, the director of Nothing But Nets, um, and you'll be see, hearing a lot more about how Ski is going to you know, align his philanthropic interests with, with the goals of the UN. Um, we, to the left of Francis is Caitlin Watson, who's the head of marketing for If Only. Um, if Only is a really interesting platform um, that has recently been launched that um, basically is, is um, ha helping uh, luminaries connect with their top fans and drive revenue for the causes that they support. If only works with over 150 charities and hundreds of other luminaries in music, film, entertainment, food, and wine, and more. Um, they've delivered successful campaigns for notable artists such as Big Boy, Chris Cornell, Stephen Jenkins, Paul McCartney, Justin Timberlake, and just last week, Usher. Um, Caitlin um, is a digital marketing expert, and before joining If Only, she led digital marketing for finance startup Cabbage, um, where she growth hacked their way to one of the largest um, in online SMB finance, and has been listed as one of Fast Company's 2013 most innovative people in finance. 
um, and then to her left is Lars Murray, who is the head of digital for Columbia Records. He conceived and coordinated Columbia's digital campaign for Pharrell Williams' 24 Hours of Happiness, a global digital campaign to celebrate the UN International Day of Happiness in conjunction with the UN Foundation. You see we got a theme here. Um, and Pharrell's um, production company, I Am Mother, and YouTube. This campaign uh, generated over 200 million social impressions in 36 hours. And uh, he also uh, was directed the uh, digital marketing campaign for Daft Punk, which... If, unless you were living on Mars, <laughs> you know you heard a lot of their music last summer. Um, and to the left of of Lars is Aaron Potts, um, who is one of the most influential people in this um, field. She um, started the Tibet Freedom Concerts. She now is the CEO and founder of a company called Air Traffic Control, which works with over a thousand artists to help them engage their fan base in philanthropy and activism. Um, you know, her, she's got a very long, you know, and very um, storied history in this, in this arena. She has produced eight sold-out stadium concerts, founded two successful nonprofits, has worked with hundreds of thousands of artists, and raised over $8 million for important causes around the world. Um, she, um, you know, really has, has so many insights to offer all of us, and... Um, you know, I'm just so honored to have all of these people on on our panel here today. And um, wh one of the things that we thought would be um, the best way to structure this is to like let let's jump right in um, and start with Aaron to talk about what are the strategies, Aaron, that you've seen that have worked in helping you know your artists um, engage their fans in, in activism. Yeah, thanks too for that intro. <laughs> Surprising. Thank you. Um, uh, I think oftentimes we think that you know the um, the traditional methods of artist activism are good and fine and are going to be effective. So things like benefit concerts and public service announcements and um, you know setting up artist foundations and um, or tabling. You know, inviting organizations to come table at concerts. And these are actually some of the least effective uh, things for, for, uh, for what you're trying to achieve. So with a benefit concert where the goal is to raise money, there are actually other mechanisms like ticket and merch add-ons that take about five minutes for an artist to decide uh, and for a team to implement and can raise a lot more money than a benefit concert can. So in essence, you're turning every show that you do into a benefit concert as opposed to doing one. Um, and as Jan pointed out, I say that as somebody who's produced a lot of <laughs> benefit concerts in the past, some of which have raised money and some of which haven't. Um, uh, I even had somebody struck by lightning at a show that I produced. So literally anything can happen when you produce an event, and there are much more effective ways to raise money or awareness um, and, uh, and much quicker. So at my organization, we're a nonprofit organization, free resource to... Uh, now 1,200 musicians and comedians and their managers. Uh, we help them figure out the most strategic ways to engage in the activism and philanthropy on the issues that they care about. And we're always looking for the highest impact for the least effort. We know that musicians and, uh, and managers are very busy, that they're, they're increasingly asked to do more than just be creative. Uh, to uh, to build their careers and build their businesses. And so we want 
very quick things, uh, very simple things that can have high impact. So, you know, if carbon emissions on your tour is what you are concerned about, um, again, the gut might be let's use biofuels in our buses and reduce our uh, freight costs or, you know, freightage. Um, all of those are really important things, but actually the thing that's going to reduce carbon the most is simple messaging to your fans to come using uh, public transit or carpooling. Fans constitute 85 to 95% of the carbon emission on any tour. So this is, again, a very much easier than figuring out biofuels and, uh, and all these other things, though. I think that we should be doing those as well. But we're always looking for the easiest way to have the highest impact. Um, you know, instead of tabling social media, uh, being very strategic about things that you tweet uh, as an artist um, or post. Uh, I actually, our organization did a study to look at the effectiveness of tabling and found that tabling is only effective when it's voter registration because it's a government form. It's really hard to figure uh, to fill out, can be intimidating, so having somebody there to help you uh, is really important. Um, and uh, only when an artist speaks from the stage and says, please go and visit that table. Um, otherwise, you might as well be in front of the supermarket. And in fact, being in front of the supermarket with your clipboard is oftentimes more effective. So these are our, you know, I, I said this once uh, in a group in uh, Amy from the Indigo Girls was there, and she's like, but tabling works for us. And I'm like, yeah, you're the Indigo Girls. <laughs> your, your audience expects tables. They come, and they want to see what organization you're supporting. But for the most part, uh, you know, there, there are other strategies that will and, – and also the Indigo Girls don't have a huge um, social media presence. So that – you know, the concerts is really where they engage their fans. So this just gives you a little bit of sense. I have – hundreds of different strategies uh, for that, again, err on the side of high impact, low effort uh, that we are implementing um, with uh, artists. And um, as Jan pointed out, I'm feeling very old after your, oh. <laughs> your intro, though. We've been doing this for a while, and we've been really collecting best practices. You know, we were founded by uh, folks from REM and Pearl Jam and the Beastie Boys uh, as a way to try and you know, collect the lessons learned that um, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Um, so we literally have hundreds of different strategies like this um, that I'm sure more will pop up as we're, we're discussing, but I think I'll just yeah. leave it there for no, now. No, that sounds great. Thank you so much. So let's talk about social media um, then. So I think that, you know, it sounds like one of the key takeaways that you're giving here is um, you need to give people a specific call to action. And I think that what we've got now with the advent of the tools and technologies at our disposal is that, you know, you can really effectively do that. And I think, you know, one example is, you know, Lars, I'd like you to talk a little bit about um, your happy 24 Hours of Happiness campaign with Pharrell and, you know, how you composed that and, you know, yeah. what worked well. I can tell you, it, it basically started out, I mean, the history of the whole thing was that um, Pharrell dropped a video um, on November 21st of last year. Uh, that was called 24 Hours of Happy, and basically, um, you may all be familiar with it, but basically it's a 24-hour video of people dancing through L.A., normal people, celebrities. Uh, it was an incredibly creative thing, and it caught his label completely by surprise, very pleasantly by surprise. <laughs> um, 
we were like, what are these guys doing? And uh, the thing went crazy viral over the holidays. Um, what we found out was that people, people started all over the world to make their own versions of this video because it was such a simple and brilliant con- um, concept. Um, so <clears throat> what we were trying to figure out was with an album coming and with, with, uh, with all of this energy happening globally, um, you know, how, how could we galvanize this into one thing? I mean, it was all happening on YouTube and there was no, there weren't even any organizing hashtags or anything. There was really no way to organize it. So I was Googling around one day and trying to figure out how do we draw this whole thing together. And I, I wondered if either, uh, some charitable organization or Hallmark had developed, uh, an international day of happiness. And I was certainly hoping it would be a charitable organization. I Googled it up, and thankfully it wasn't Hallmark. It was the United Nations. So um, we had some connections with the UN at Columbia Records through previous charitable stuff. Uh, we got in touch with them and asked them if they might want to do some sort of global event on International Day of Happiness, March 20th, and they were very enthusiastic about it. And we went back to the artist with our <coughs> fingers crossed and... Uh, biting our tongues and said, would you like to do something around the International Day of Happy with Happiness with the UN? And, and Pharrell said, that sounds amazing. I'm in. So fast forward, we spoke with the UN. Um, the UN, um, the UN uh, passed this on to the UN Foundation that does a lot of this stuff and does a lot of work with celebrities, and I'll let Francis talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, three months later, uh, we launched the International Day of Happiness, uh, we had events happening all over the world that we launched an event or a, or a video in every time zone for 24 hours. Um, basically, we put up a website where we would we showcase events for, um, events or videos that had been submitted from each time zone. Uh, we had opened up the submissions. We asked people to submit the videos that they had already made or new videos that they were making. We had 1,900 submissions. Um, we used about uh, 300 of them, and we ended up using about 70 of those in a supercut video. Um, the long and short of it is, I think, Jan, you actually have the, the, the stats. I don't even have them in front of you. It was, it was yeah, 270 million impressions or something like that. 211 million. 211 million impressions, 300,000 tweets. Um, the thing went around the world. It went viral. We trended in all kinds of countries. And the other great thing about Sony Music being such a huge company is that we reach around the world. So we had events going on in Croatia and Canada and France and Japan and Indonesia where people were doing their own demonstrations, as we call them, which was, you know, could be a flash mob chanting to happy. It could be things put up on a big screen. It could be people dressed up like Pharrell's album cover. And we did all kinds of great things. But it was uh, it was incredibly uh, viral and incredibly successful. Um, it did not raise as much money as I had hoped it would, but, uh, and I think that's part of our topic that's here. Right. But when, we were, when all was said and done, the UN and the UN Foundation were extraordinarily happy with it because uh, of the awareness that it had generated. And uh, I think, you know, I would not be surprised to see things happen again next year and for this thing to turn mm-hmm. into an annual event. That's amazing. Thank you. That, and that is a really nice um, lead into the, the topic that I'd like to s- discuss, which is authenticity. And it sounds like one, to me, when I listened to your story, what, what made that so effective was that there was a very authentic connection. You know, the, the song is called Happiness. There was already a campaign of the UN Foundation to focus on that. And it, w- it was a logical connection that the artist was really pleased to be involved with? It was, it was kind of magical the way it all came together. Right, it's I mean, magical. It was, just, it was just serendipitous, and 
you know, everything, everything seemed to fall into place. Then again, we all, then, then after it fell into place, that's when the hard work started. Yeah, that's right. And as it is. And I think that to me, when I think about, you know, how everyone can engage with artists in, in, you know, promoting awareness of causes, raising money in any way that I think it all starts with authenticity. There must be an authentic connection. And I think what we've just seen unfold in the last couple months is this partnership emerge between the UN foundation and DJ ski. You know, it sounds like you sought out the UN foundation. They already had an existing campaign that fit in nicely. Um, DJ Ski um, was nice enough to speak at a UN Foundation event at South by Southwest, had lunch with a bunch of people, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at this lunch where I saw the, you know, light bulbs go off in everyone's head and realize all the connections that they had. So, you know, maybe first Ski can talk about, you know, what what excited you about working with the UN, and then Francis about what excited you about working with Ski and and what you guys hope to achieve in the partnership. I mean, what excited what excited me is just the the ability. I mean, everybody says you know they want to give back, do good, uh, but I feel like a lot of people do it for more egotistical reasons than than true reasons. And you know, the UN, I mean, the name alone and, and the causes that they do, it's kind of obvious why anybody and everybody probably wants to work with them. But once I actually got to sit down with the UN Foundation dig in and see all that they did, um, I realized there was an incredible synergy between me because what I really do with, with my brand and what I've built is all these various platforms from the biggest radio station in the country, Kiss FM, Sirius XM, to TV shows with Mark Cuban, one of the biggest YouTube channels in the world with, with Ski TV where we're almost, you know, I think a third of a billion views right now. And, uh, you know, we have so many different people coming across, you know, our, our world, whether it's, you know, not just even musicians, we're, we're, we have athletes in our studio, you know, coming by our radio shows, coming to our events and other actors and, and just people that have, you know, the attention of the youth. So for me, it's, you know, it was never about just, you know, necessarily supporting, you know, I've supported a ton of charities along the way. I've never, you know, started my own just because I think there's so many other great ones out there. And I don't know if there's necessarily the need for, for another. And I, I've, I've realized that, you know, with my, my real power is utilizing all these platforms forms that I have and you know taking the the artists and the celebrities and the, the tastemakers and the figures that are that are out there and giving them this huge platform from you know, radio to TV to you know even in store screens at 711 and all these places and with the, with the UN does they have so many different causes everything from girl up which you know people when I when I talked I was like why would I want to be a part of girl up it's you know I'm a guy well how do you get to girls it's through guys it's kind of obvious to you know <laughs> we had thing and it's like oh yeah that that works and you know, for, for that cause specifically, too, it's just, you know, it's almost comical to me that certain things in the world, like, that we all aren't equal. And it's especially, you know, overseas, there's different, like, specific countries and things where women are still far from equal. And that's, like, insane to me. So that's just, like, a given. But even, you know, you mentioned Nothing But Nets, who we met with and had breakfast with earlier this morning. And I'm probably speaking a little early on it. But, you know, we have all these athletes and artists and, you know, everybody coming together. Like, we put, I remember Kendrick Lamar and... And Kevin Durant in the studio two years together, two years ago together, just because they were both fans of each other and wanted to do some cool stuff. And, you know, we want to figure out, all right, now we have all these guys and everybody wants to do good at, at the end of the day. So what I really offer is kind of that megaphone through all these different platforms. So we want to shine light through these different artists, through these different athletes, through these different tastemakers and to, to, to the people that I've kind of, you know, had follow us, but utilize kind of my light to shine and spread the 
the message to the whole world across, you know, and reach as many people as we can with with the real. Like our my specialty is creating content and spreading that message and putting a spotlight on others. So I think that's really where you know it makes so much sense with with the UN Foundation, just because there's so many great things they have going on worldwide, and we can help really shine that light. So that's what appealed to me. Thank you, Francis. So I think you can see there's a bit of a love fest going on <laughs> over here. We're all uh, kind of cozying up to each other and uh, excited to see where this all goes. I think, um, look, it goes without saying that this is a really exciting partnership um, and we're thrilled to be announcing it. But if we, if we take a step back and say, well, why are we all in this room together? Like, what have you as a label, you as, a, as the press, as a tech company, got in common with us over at the UN Foundation? Um, we're all going somewhere together. We're all going to do something for the greater good. Um, and coming together in these partnerships, which, as you say, like, I never thought girls' rights meant anything to me or that I had a role in that. And just meeting and having those conversations to realize those synergies likewise with Pharrell and uh, the happiness that all happened from natural human interaction through partnerships so I think uh, if we're looking for a recipe for success as Jan says the authenticity absolutely is the starting point but partnering um, is really crucial it's not about reinventing the wheel every time you want to do the right thing and it's also not about you know forgetting what you're out there to do as an artist you're an artist you're creating something and this should blend with what you do um, it should be a natural fit so I think um, I love working with the UN Foundation because they're far more open than other parts of the system and uh, that open door is there so I think it's, it's going away from this, you know, one tweet can change the world idea to I'm going to have to completely redo my tour bus if I want to do anything. And um, finding that natural fit, which is actually this can make sense for both parties. And it doesn't have to be a sacrifice um, from either side. And I think the Pharrell example is fantastic. And we're going to have only more uh, from Ski to follow. That's great. So one thing that you said um, in our uh, meeting before this, we, the, this group was talking a lot about, you know, what is effective and what is not, and how can, you know, organizations, tech companies help. And one of the things, you know, Aaron, who works with over a thousand artists, you know, huge artists, you know, my company was founded by Lady Gaga. I get, you know, at least one call a week, someone asking me, can you get Lady Gaga to tweet about this for me? And Aaron probably gets about a thousand of those calls a week. And I think that, you know, one thing that we wanted to share is, you know, what is an appropriate way, you know, to help? What is a way that we all, you know, with what we do can help? Um, and so maybe, Aaron, you want to touch on that. And then I don't want to forget you, Caitlin. We'll go back to fundraising strategies next. <laughs> I feed off <laughs> Exactly. So, well, I, you know, I say this to organizations as well as the, the tech platforms that come, um, my way that you really want to have a true collaboration with your artists um, and the artists that you're working with. So finding out what their interests are, um, finding out how you can be of service to them and do something uh, jointly, I think is, is pretty critical. Um, you know, I get, <laughs> I get a lot of requests for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I don't know why, but he's like the one that they all ask for tech companies and nonprofit organizations. And, um, I tell, often tell this, well, yes, but the, let me tell you a story which was not about raising money, um, which was an, a, a gentleman who works for an inner city 
youth program in Chicago called me up. And this is very typical. I tell the story because it is typical to a thousand others that I've had. Um, uh, and he said, you know, we want to have a concert. Can you get me Bruce Springsteen? And I asked my questions that I always ask um, and found out that what he was trying to do was not raise money. He wanted to help the kids. He wanted to more kids to know about their program so that they could access the great after-school program, um, programming that they had. And I said, my response to him was, I love Bruce, you love Bruce, your kids don't know who the fuck Bruce is. <laughs> like, you need to find an, an artist that resonates with the audience, and that, that artist has to care about. And it's not that Bruce doesn't care about inner-city kids and after-school programs, but he hasn't, it's not a demonstrated thing that he does you know so let's talk about other artists maybe from Chicago from those neighborhoods maybe who went through after school programs uh, and have ha have talked about it in one way or another you know and so that's what an organization you know y you can transpose it to a, a tech company too I think that you know we get these calls that are like I'll make your, you know, I'll make a million dollars for your cause in the next 12 months if you promote our search engine. And I'm like, okay, give me, put, put $100,000 on the table right now because if you care that much, if you think you're going to do it, like prove it to me with, a, with an upfront donation to this artist's cause. And nobody ever does it. <laughs> and 12 months in, you know, the few artists that that go in with a tech platform, 12 months later, there isn't a million dollars in their foundation's bank account or their, their favorite organization's bank account. It doesn't happen. So I would just say, if you're a tech company approaching artists, be very authentic as well. You know, figure out where your collaboration with them can be and make it truly collaborative like the Feral and Happiness example, where, um, you know, it was it was not just an artist being asked to, you know, any artist doesn't matter who it was can stand in the same box and say the same things for that for your platform or for that cause. Yeah, just I would I would highly encourage very and and not and and being realistic too and not always thinking Bruce Springsteen is the answer <laughs> to your <laughs> platform's <laughs> needs or or feral. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Um, so, Caitlin, so tell us a little bit about what strategies have you seen to be really effective in in raising money for causes. You know, a lot of the things we've talked about about raising awareness, ticket surcharges. Aaron talks about are really effective in raising money. What strategies have you seen sure. and used? So, I'll talk a little bit about exactly what we do, um, just to just to kick it off. And, and really, I think we tie in with um, a lot of the things that have been said on the panel. One is, um, you know, finding those strategies and tactics that are um, effective and don't take a, a ton of effort to produce. So um, our, our tagline is extraordinary experiences for good. And really um, what that means is from the consumer side, we're an e-commerce site, we offer up really amazing experiences with our for our customers um, that are um, in partnership with all of the celebrities, we call them luminaries actually, um, with all the luminaries that we work with. Um, and then of course on the artist side, um, we work with them to help raise money for the causes that they care about or 
for um, their own foundation. And um, really, the way that we work is that we are we're a platform. So um, we try to make it really easy for the artists to um, we work in conjunction with them to come up with what the right experiences are. And speaking to authenticity, which is um, one of the most thing, important things about being on our platform, there's sort of a perfect storm um, that we have found that that works the best in terms of um, raising the most uh, money. And what we do when we set out for any campaign with any artist is we put goals on it. We put goals around exactly you know what how much uh, we're trying to hit over what time period and um, how will we get there. And that's what really goes into the strategy around the experiences we create. So with any given artist, we try to have sort of a menu of experiences priced from high to low so that fans of all um, income levels of all types can partake in this platform. And it starts with um, there's a $1 badge that we create. And this is a badge that gets um, that the customer can post on social media that says, you know, I support this foundation or this person's foundation. All the way up to um, the most expensive experience on our platform is $200,000. And that is um, music is one of our categories, by the way. So that experience is um, you can go to Aspen and golf with Greg Norman for $200,000. And he, um, the, the artists actually get to choose how much they give to their foundations. But um, I think on average, it's around 70 to 80 percent. So most of it goes to the foundations of their choice. And we've just found that um, the authentic element uh, comes across in a lot of different ways. One of those is pricing. Um, so pricing the experiences appropriately so that um, fans aren't coming back saying, really, you know, you want $50,000 for a handshake or for, you know, a backstage experience. So that's um, really important as we're building out the products. Um, the other is uh, choosing the right cause. So um, I, like I said earlier, won't mention any names, but um, in some cases, um, creating your, you know, having an artist create their own foundation um, in some cases, it turns out okay. In other cases, um, it just doesn't come across as authentic as it would be if you were just, in your case, you're just choosing the, the causes and the charities that you care about and doing something really unique. Um, and unique is kind of the last point, which is um, we try to create experiences with the artist for, if only, that um, that they really can't get anywhere else, and that's what makes it compelling. So um, if, it's, if it's a meet and greet that an artist maybe would do anyways at a concert, how do we add the icing onto that meet and greet to make it truly unique so that people are um, compelled to sort of go through this platform? And um, what, you know, what makes it easy for the artist is that we handle all of the legwork. We're truly a platform, so we do all of the customer background checks. We take all of the, we did an Usher campaign last week. Um, it was a $10,000 experience to meet Usher on the set of The Voice, and I think we fielded, um, he posted it on his social networks, and I think we fielded something like 300 phone calls from people just saying, like, how do I win? How do I talk to Usher? Can I send him a message? <laughs> I mean, it was like every crazy message you could ever imagine, but their team didn't have to deal with all of that, um, and so so we also, um, we also help with that, and that's where I just think that... Um, uh, we, it, it's, it, it doesn't need to be the full benefit concert. It can be something easy. Right. And DJ Ski is actually coming onto our platform very soon. That's so we're right. excited about that. 
So, and Ski, which, where are you going to be donating um, the money from the campaign you're doing on If Only? Uh, we're still figuring out. We're going to probably donate. We're looking at a, running a couple different programs. So we're, we're going to offer, you know, we're looking at a couple, everything from, you know, backstage experience at a TV show to bringing somebody out to Vegas and bringing them backstage at, you know, a crazy club and having them experience what it's like to be a DJ the whole night. So uh, we're going to probably, you know, in line with my thinking earlier, too, we're going to donate each thing to, to different causes mm-hmm. and just, you know, spread the, spread the wealth. Again, to me, you know, I think it's very, a lot of artists do try to do it inauthentically and try to start their own platform. And it's like, oh, they're just trying to do that. So, you know, it's a marketing tool almost for them in a weird way. And, and, and for me, I think it's, it's authentic. There's so many things out there. And, and with my cause, it's, it's, I'm always about having a lot of different people on. It's not just one thing. So it made more sense to, you know, work with a lot of just other great causes and great groups. And because um, certain ones make more sense for the, than the others for different things. So we'll kind of put all that together. That's, that's great. I mean, that's something, you know, Aaron... Um, you know, made a really solid point that everyone is reiterated here. It's, you know, you don't need to start your own foundation to have an impact. And in fact, it's probably in most cases a bad idea because it's a lot of work. Right. And, um, and I think that's something that, you know, everyone here has, has had that experience. There's so many amazing organizations that are doing, you know, serving the cause that, that you're, you and your artists want to support that there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Um, so I think that would be interesting. One of the things we talked about here is, how technology we've you know there's we are also lucky to live in this day and age where we have so many um powerful technology platforms at our disposal so maybe if you know anyone on the panel wants to talk about how technology has changed the way that you run your campaigns um and how it may have changed the impact of your artist engagement um something maybe you know francis you want to talk about the my world campaign and some of the the data and statistics that you've been able to compile? Definitely. Thanks, Jan. I think it's, it's a really important question because if we were having this conversation 20 years ago, um, well, not only would we not have the insight, but our tactics would be entirely different. You'd have uh, far less options than a benefit concert. You know, the fact that we can work with Ski, that you have these platforms that you can talk to daily, um, means that you don't have to um, necessarily do these big concerts. So just to speak really quickly on what we did um, with the My World Camp campaign. My World is the United Nations effort to speak to people around the world. So I won't dull you all with a lecture in international relations, but the UN doesn't traditionally talk to people. It talks to states, governments, um, NGOs, companies. It's very difficult to have a dialogue with six plus billion people. Um, But we thought we'd give it a try anyway. And the UN is in a space right now where we're developing the agenda for the next 15 to 20 years on how to improve the world, right? That little task that we have at the end of the day on whether we met our goals. So it's a people and planet agenda. Um, What does the world need? And there was the bright idea that we should actually ask people what they need rather than just governments and individuals. So um, we had two weeks ago a global vote day on May 8th. Ski was a huge part of the campaign, driving engagement um, online, offline, and through mobile, which is a platform I'll come to. Um, we had over 100 million impressions in 24 hours. It was the largest day of voting um, ever since the campaign launched a year and a half ago. It's worth saying that already 2 million people have voted at the UN, um, and more than half of those are the most disadvantaged people. So that's pen and paper ballots that you know kids in slums outside Nairobi have been filling in and Uh, volunteers have been entering into a database in very low-tech, inefficient uh, forms. 
So we had this digital campaign. Ski was an amazing ambassador. We had um, involvement from over 100 countries around the world. So part of the reason for doing this week was, first of all, to dispel the notion within my corridors that poor people don't have access to the internet because it's simply not true these days. Um, I'm sure you've all heard people say there's more mobile phones than toilets in the world. Um, I'm sure someone here will have a solution to sanitation using a mobile phone, I hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to have a new tech challenge at the UN, so watch that space. So actually, mobile has been one of the most interesting platforms for us with this campaign. I'm just going to speak really quickly to it. We have about half a million votes have come in through mobile phone. And I don't mean smartphones. I mean uh, your feature phone, your SMS uh, campaigns and IVR campaigns. They're coming from the poorest of the poor countries, from the least developed. And um, even there, we're using celebrity ambassadors to engage folks. So rather than just receiving an SMS um, on your phone, maybe when you're at the market, we worked with um, several Bollywood stars in India for them to lend their image and their voice um, as a call to action on voting. So people on their mobile phone got a message as if it were personally coming from uh, these Bollywood stars, some of whom I'm sure you know, Priyanka Chopra, um, who's LA-based now, Amir Khan, and um, the impact was just phenomenal. There was about a 400% increase in response rates, um, and not just response rates, but carry through all the way. So people would start, they'd click through, and actually finish. So I think this is an example of, for us, we can understand celebrity engagement um, sitting here in San Francisco, in talking about social media, but also the potential of emerging markets and the potential of the mobile platform is phenomenal. And I think for those of you working with artists, I wouldn't underestimate the the potential there for tapping into um, not just increasing your audience, but also social good. Thank you. Over half half of our traffic is, is mobile. And so we essentially design mobile first because... Um, it's you know it's in, it's just an in- increasing portion of all of our traffic and people are you know a year ago I would say most people weren't buying things on mobile but I mean we're people are donating they're buying things on if only through mobile mm-hmm. it's a high rate oh, that's that's great that's helpful so Aaron um, tell us because you've been doing this. Um, I'm not going to say longer. You've been doing this like you work with over a thousand artists. I'm not going to say it because I'm older than you are. So, <laughs> so that's not it. It's not about old. But but you have worked with over a thousand artists. Can you give us an example of maybe one or two um, campaigns that were super effective and that you think that you you plan to emulate in the other work that you're doing, um, and that you would you know advise people that if you really want to make an impact, I would do this, this, and this. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes, but if I can first uh, <laughs> just say I I don't I would hate to leave here with this impression that um, that the activism and philanthropy is over here and it's disconnected from your business. You know, we were talking about the need to be authentic. I think that it's very much intertwined with your business and that each can help the other um, in really important ways. So. Um, you know, the, the, the concern of mine is that we don't do activism or philanthropy until an artist has reached a certain stage because that's when you're allowed to, to do these sorts of things, you know, when you become Bono level. Um, when in actuality, um, engaging, working on these issues can help you engage your fans even at, a, at a, an emerging uh, artist level. 
Um, 80% of consumers say that they will support a brand or buy a product that is affiliated with a cause. They're more likely to buy that product or or, uh, support that brand. So it helps your business. And I think in particular, you know, album cycles are gone um, and all the rest, but it's, you know, the constantly having to deliver content to your audience this is a stream of content that you can help deliver to your audience. So it can help all the things that you guys are struggling with all the time. Um, it can help you collect email. You know, we, one of the strategies we often do with bands is a, is a download, either a donate for download or a download for action campaign where a song is given away either for a donation of whatever sort or size or a, 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 a signing of a petition or something like that. These things can help you collect email addresses that then help the business. So I just I want you to, to not think about it as this stuff is over there that you do at the end of the day when all your other to-dos are done because your to-dos are never going to be done. <laughs> and instead, integrate it into your businesses at an early stage so that, it is, that they are both mutually supportive of each other. Um, in terms of examples... Um, you know, the, the, my sort of aha moment, I think, was after producing several Tibetan Freedom concerts with the Beastie Boys um, in the 1990s that raised, some raised money, some didn't. As I said, one person got struck by lightning. Um, you know, so kind <laughs> of the worst event scenario that you could possibly think of, and yet awesome events. Um, I had a conversation with them, uh, asking them to put one dollar on every ticket that they sold in North America. Um, it took five minutes, and they raised three quarters of a million dollars from that five-minute conversation. The easiest thing you will ever do is just putting any. Uh, we implement uh, ticket add-ons for a ton of artists, anywhere from fifty cents to now. Uh, we have one artist who's doing three dollars on every ticket. We've done it on merchandise. A dollar on every merch item sold. Uh, we've so, done dedicated Aaron, merch items. So, Aaron, tell me, tell us a little bit about how that works. Do you bury the the dollar in the in the cost of the item, or do you tell the fans that they're donating? Can tell us what the yeah. best strategy there is. Yeah. So, um, the way it works is, um, from an artist's perspective, is they say yes, they want to do it. They figure out how much it gets added to the ticket price. So, if it's a twenty-four dollar ticket, it it says one dollar to charity. Um, and then uh, that dollar at settle, we give uh, the artists, um, or more importantly, the manager some language to put in deal memos uh, with promoters at settlement. A check is written to the artist, a check is written to the charity, um, and then a lot of money is raised. I mean, it is, it is literally the easiest thing. There are some uh, uh, things around tax compliance and all this other stuff. So if you're going to do it on your own, please come talk to me um, because, uh, you, you know, we don't want anybody getting in trouble for doing good things because they didn't know about um, regulations in particular states and stuff like that. But, uh, and we also, uh, my nonprofit also implements these um, for uh, dozens of artists that are on tour. So that's just, I mean, in a nutshell, sort of the workflow and also the amazing potential of it. And, you know, we have bands who've done it, small bands who've done it on every tour for the last three or four years, and they have very quietly raised $300,000, $500,000. Um, you know, these are bands that wouldn't 
otherwise be able to raise those kinds of figures, but just because they do it all the time, every tour, just a dollar, 50 cents, whatever it is. Uh, so that, I would say, is the single most easiest hands-off big Im- uh, impact. There, on raising awareness, on changing behavior, again, there are different things. Encourage your fans to take public transit or carpooling. You can just put at your point of sale um, or on your tour listing a uh, link to Google Transit and say, come by, tr- come by public transit. You can book. You can specifically ask your booking agent book me into show into venues that are accessible by public transit tons and tons of things we actually have a handbook on our website uh that you can download all of these strategies and more and their website is atc.net atctower.net i should know that (laughs) yeah we're really hard to find if you google us so don't do that (laughs) (laughs) i think we need to speak to someone over there that's right Come see me afterwards if you're an SEO person. (laughs) One of the things that you just said that I think is really, um, you know, an important lesson for everyone in the room, whether you're an artist or a manager or a tech company or press or anyone, is that what you said about starting small, right? That, you know, you don't need to be Google to help, you know, raise millions of dollars. And, you know, I I actually was at AOL many, many years ago. I'm older than you. Um, but we, we created a product called Network for Good that, you know, um, AOL owned a, a property called Helping.org that was a philanthropy portal. And we, you know, it was about raising awareness of causes. And we said, you know what, we're never going to have our intended effect unless if we keep this as an AOL property. And so we, we spun it out and we did a joint venture with Cisco and Yahoo. And we created this company that now exists, Network for Good, that, that created the Donate Now button. That the idea was to give nonprofits the ability to raise money online, and it now is the definitive product that nonprofits use. Something I'm really proud of that we created, and we we stepped away from our ego. You know, we were competing head to head with Yahoo at that time as a company, but we said, you know what, it, this is not about us. This is about making the world a better place. And it, you know, the company we the three companies funded it for the first three years. It's now a standalone company that is the definitive tool, which is exciting. At the same time, Salesforce.com was a glimmer in Mark Benioff's eye. And Suzanne DiBianca is the woman who, he hired a full-time person to run his foundation and put 1% of pre-public stock into this foundation um, that's now hundreds of millions of dollars. She now has 150 people working for her around the world. They are changing the world. They're doing so many important things. And it started with a CEO who had a vision. And you know it was pre-public. She taught Google how to do it. She sat down with Google and taught them how to build their foundation and to put pre-public stock in. And you know they promote this one-one-one. Um, you know, I don't know what you call it. You know, strategy where they give one percent of profits, one percent of employees' time, and one percent of the products. They give a lot of their products away for free to people t- to use. And um, just this morning, you know, Ski and I were having breakfast with Chris who runs Nothing But Nets and he and Nothing But Nets is a program of the UN Foundation that um, is basically for $10 you can buy a malaria net that will save a family's life um, from malaria and that he's got you know he started working with Steph Curry who we all know who, who Steph Curry is now you know if you're a, a basketball fan but he started working with him when he was unknown and helped you know not only did Steph Curry help him raise a lot of money, every time he shoots a three-pointer, he, he buys one net, for, every, for three nets for every three-pointer. Luckily, he shoots a lot of three-pointers, so it's a lot of money. But he was unknown, and I think that, you know, what Chris was saying that he's really proud of is that he helped Steph 
um, develop his um, public persona about what he cares about and that it's a it's a give and take partnership. It's not, you know, him calling up staff saying, give me money, <laughs> you know, let me use your celebrity. But it's about creating these authentic connections and how, you know, we as people who run tech companies can, you know, have a lot to offer and can help. But as long as, you know, you believe. So I think that's, you know, something that, you know, your, your company is all about that. But the fact is, you know, everyone wants to talk about how evil record labels are. But look at, you know, Lars, I mean, this happiness campaign is just one example of, of some of the things that you've done. Yeah, I and mean, one of the things one of the things that was I mean <clears throat> from a business standpoint one of the things that was that was interesting that we really hadn't anticipated but that turned out to be nice is that nobody really wants to say no to you if you've got a good cause and you're well integrated. Um, you know, you can get competitors to sit down and, you know, um, it's a it's it that was one of the great things was that basically we we went to all the competitors and we were like put it aside, you know, and work with us on this thing. It's for the UN foundation for the UN. It's a really great cause. And it was, it was kind of cool that, that people came to the table together and, and kind of laid it down for a minute. And, uh, you know, that was, it was, it was great. That's great. No, it's great. So yeah, you have a question. Our response from the professional sporting teams in the Bay area, the warriors, the giants and the A's has been much stronger than the traditional music industry, which I come out. I used to work for your company (laughs) and, how does one, we're about a year in, how does one reach out in a way to get the celebrity support on the music side for, when you see what we're doing, we always say, check out what we're doing, we stop crying, give us a call, and that's been the case. Mm-hmm. Just a business card to the Warriors, the Giants, the A's, and we're in all other foundations. So now it's time to get back to my roots, which is the music business, and without having, we have good producers in LA and film producers, but we don't have a ski or we don't have a feral at the top of our uh, letterhead is there any advice on how one would take this thing to the next place and get the impact because we say we're changing the world one special need video youth at a time i mean i i'm going to jump in and then please panelists too it's you know it's what we talk about is you you need to find the authentic connection and so just as lars did a google search for international day of happiness you know you will see if you google you know that there are so there are artists who you know, their cause is special needs kids. I would also call Aaron Potts. We also have, um, we have quite a few luminaries that come to us um, wanting to work with us who don't have a charity, and we essentially help to match them up. So we'd be happy to talk to you about that. Right. Uh, it's, speaking in terms of general strategy, I mean, finding one very influential person is really, really important, you know, and then you build out from there. And, I mean, you're actually, you're better off concentrating maybe on the one to get started um, and, you know, finding somebody who's really passionate, who's, who's got an authentic link and having them be, you know, help be your ambassador. The other thing is to keep it really, really simple, um, both what you're asking of the person who's going to be helping you and what you're asking of the people who are going to be, you know, donating, volunteering, whatever. I mean, it, just keeping the – people just don't – it's the time economy, and that's, you know, that's, that's what we're all faced with. That I mean, and even with all of those advantages, you know, we got about two-thirds of where I would have wanted to get with Pharrell, you know, and there, there were a lot of people that we didn't have time to line up, um, and, you know, because this thing all came together really quickly, you know, he had all kinds of existing commitments that he was great about working around. Um, 
but there, you know, it's, it's, there's no real substitute for having somebody who's got that authentic, authentic connection, you know, and, and connections, you know, in, in, in high, medium and low places. All right, so we just got the note that we've got five minutes left. So I'm going to be self-serving, and I'm going to give everyone on the panel the opportunity to, to say just one sentence about the, a cause that's near and dear to your heart and why. A cause? Okay. Or, one, or, or an organization. One organization or cause. Or, all right, I'll start. Yes. <laughs> so um, a friend of mine started a comp- I'm really interested in youth empowerment. And, you know, I was on the board of an organization called Summer Search, that works with inner city kids who have been identified by their teachers as having leadership potential. And um, we assign them a mentor who meets with them every week and we pay for SAT prep classes. And, um, you know, we put them, we give them college counseling. And these are, this is a community of kids who normally less than 50% would go to college. And we have 99% graduate from high school and 97% go to college. And it's that one-on-one connection. There's another organization called First Exposures that pairs a photographer to meet every week with a, you know underprivileged child to teach them about photography. So those are two that I really care about that are in the youth empowerment field. Right, Ski? Awesome. I think I talked um, a little bit earlier about it. I'm going to kind of jump all over the place and say a couple other things real quick. But obviously, you know, I'm excited to be an ambassador for the UN Foundation. So that's going to be great. And working with all these different causes. But um, touching on a couple key points and takeaways that I think everybody can, can walk away from, from this and learning is, A, there is a lot of, like, the Steph Curry example is a great thing. That really helped build his profile by doing something that was natural. But when he kind of blew up, all those stories and articles on who he was mentioned him going to Africa and, you know, building these nets and how great of a person he was. And in the same way, like I've done a lot of work with a place called home in South Central Los Angeles. And I always say when I go down, which basically um, helps kids and after school, the danger hours from two to five after they're done with school, before their parents get home. And I always say when I go down there, I learn more from those kids on what music is hot and what other trends are about to form from anything else. So I actually, (laughs) they always thank me. I'm thanking them. So, You know, you really can learn, and Aaron's brought up some great points down there, too. Instead of spending this time on your tour, trying to figure out, all right, what can we do for our, our tour bus? How do we make this biofuel and all that? It's a lot of times the simple answers and the things that aren't necessarily always as sexy and stuff like, oh, we can't say, oh, I have a green tour bus and that, but encouraging people to carpool or to take public transportation very obvious under your nose. It's built in. You don't have to do anything extra. That's all there. So a lot of times it's, you know, if you really want to do what's good, take your own ego out of it sometimes and think of what makes the most logical sense and look at at everything else. And there's some great resources out there. And, you know, the last thing I'll say too is just, you know, one key in, in my career that's been successful is being authentic with everything. And it's the same with charity. People can read through when a celebrity has an incident, then all of a sudden they have a foundation. They're out speaking for all those different things. And it kind of backfires. And the other thing is, too, like starting a foundation, you mentioned it earlier, it's a lot of work. That's another reason I don't know. I work with all these other ones because they're great. And, I, it's, you know, I want to focus on spreading, utilizing my platform to spread that message instead of actually having to start another business because that's just insane to me. There's so many great things out there. But um, those would be kind of my key t- takeaways. And, uh, you know, there's some great foundations out there. Thank you guys for all coming out and listening to, to us talk. 
I mean, I just second everything that you said, basically. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think for a last key takeaway for me, I would just say, yeah, take a leaf out of um, this book and don't be afraid to approach, you know, foundations. If you're working with artists, if you have an idea, pick up the phone to the UN. Um, I'm here. My colleagues are here. It's not as uh, such a closed shop as it may seem. Um, So always be looking for those opportunities for collaboration and partnership. Don't feel like you have to be the one that's out there doing all the heavy lifting. Um, but I do like your question, Jan. I think it's a great question. My um, cause that is very dear to my heart is Kiva, which is a micro-loan service. I'm sure you know it well. Um, but Kiva allows women around the world to get seed funding for businesses, um, entrepreneurship ideas. It could be as simple as the store for them to sell their produce on um, in a market um, or the money to um, even get to the market. Um, so $25, I mean, you can give, and it's really not charity, it's a loan. So um, jump over all of those awful financial systems that we all hate and um, go and do something directly if you're so inclined. Mm-hmm. So we work with so many, so it's hard to choose one, but um, we are working with Tipping Point right now, and they have a campaign called SF Gives where they've, they're working with 20 um, local tech companies to raise, I think, $1.5 million um, over the next 12 months. Um, it's just an amazing initiative. Um, and we've uh, chosen – this is that's an example where we've matched up several luminaries with Tipping Point in order to um, help them raise money for that charity. Um, and another sort of – I'll just add a quick takeaway as well um, – the the one an, another thing that that we can help with, but also that just in general you should think about is um, going back to kind of the reputation management and and you know creating a foundation after you've had a huge PR incident or something like that. But one one thing to think about is um, when you are creating um, specifically an experience. Um, I don't know if you guys know this stat, but 82% of people would rather um, spend money on an experience rather than a thing. So um, maybe it's not the t-shirt or the memorabilia. Maybe it's um, you know a, a signed guitar pick, a photo, a video message, a, a tweet, a follow on Twitter. Um, people will, those are the things that people will talk about. And you can create these experiences based on um, the personality of the artist, which is also really cool. So um, in some cases, if depending on the personality of the artist, you might want to um, have an auction or a sweepstakes, or you might just want to sell an experience outright. And um, think about all of those different types of platforms. We do all of those. We do all of the above. So the artist has the ability to choose um, which one they would rather use, but just kind of take a step back, think about the personality of the artist and designing those experiences or items or whatever it is um, that you're uh, that you're looking to create to raise money for um, tied in with the personality so that it's a fit because organically it will get out there on social media and if it's not a fit, um, people will talk about it and it will be very hard to control. I'll just say the UN Central Emergency Relief Fund, which was the, the charity that we were originally you know, really trying to raise money for. And again, we ended up raising more awareness than money. But um, the thing that I learned about that uh, when when we were going through this whole process of putting it together is that one all it takes is one big typhoon to 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 drain those coffers and they need to be refilled. And it's a it's a constant thing that the UN and the UN Foundation are always having to do is to sort of recharge the batteries because the money goes down. It's not like a big endowment where they're only spending the, the interest. They're actually they're actually the principle is going down. So um, that one, that one, that really opened my eyes. And and uh, I think the other thing that was 
interesting about that was that, and and to that, to the Central Emergency Relief Fund point, one of the most affecting and powerful videos that came out of this whole thing was uh, the Filipino typhoon. Uh, the people who were affected by it made a happy video. Nobody prompted them to. And here they are, you know, talk about indomitable spirit. Here they are dancing through the ruins of their city. And it really was amazingly affecting. And, you know, it was it was pretty incredible. And if it didn't make you want to give money to that, I don't know what would. So, so I am, um, like a good parent, not going to pick favorites <laughs> in terms of a charity. Um, but rather... Um, you know, just emphasize, you know, I have woken up every day for 20 years believing in the power of music to create change in the world. And, you know, I know that historically. I know it personally. Um, probably a lot of you do this work because music has saved you in some way or another. Um, you know, there's a bunch of academic and market research flashing up on the screen. Um, so I would just leave you with uh, the thought that you know, the power of music to create change in the world is really immense. And whether you are an artist or a label or in the press um, or a platform um, or a manager, I think you have a really important role to play. Um, so I would encourage you uh, to believe in that. Thank you. All right. Thank you all so much for being here. And especially thank you to my panelists. It really is an honor to be up here with each and every one of you. So thank you. Thank you. Let's go do some good. And, uh, and